Some of the contents expressed in this episode are intended for a mature audience. And this week, we touched on the serious topics of mental illness, attempted suicide, eating disorders, and abuse. If you need help, there are resources. Call 1-844-550-HERO or 1-844-550-4376. And if you have a story to tell, submit it at thewomenwhowon.com. This is Women Who Won, a podcast that tells the stories of women just like you or someone that you know from everywhere, every industry and background, who've gone through nearly everything. Throughout the series, we'll hear from women who are sharing their stories of defeat, resilience, and ultimately success to help inspire, motivate, and cultivate a culture that celebrates not just women, but their victories. In this episode, we meet Yana. She tells a story of abuse, sleepless nights, orphanages, and an unrelenting will to survive and overcome. This is Yana. Okay, so my name currently is Yana Lee Vera. I'm not going to be able to disclose my um, old name because of certain domestic violence situations. Um, I guess the best way to start this off would be for me to um, start off when I was younger. Um, this will be a raw recording. Um, I'm sorry if it makes people angry or sad or mad. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, I was given um, this link and was told that, you know, it's for strong women for surviving. And I just want to, like, be able to help empower other people while I'm trying to sit here and, you know, fix myself because, I mean, every day is a fixing, you know. Um, Each day is a step forward, but you're still kind of broken. It's really hard to cope when you've had multiple traumas. So I was basically born into a family of um, people that sold drugs, uh, drug cartel, um, very um, interpersonal with family They keep everything within the family. So if something goes wrong, you know, um, you you take care of it within the family. You don't reach out to anybody else. Um, When I was born, I was born with medical problems. And, um, you know, I wasn't born into the best people. My mom and dad got a divorce, so I had never met my dad. Um, Well, he was there till I was two, so I guess I had met my dad, but I didn't remember meeting my dad. Um, <clears throat> I was told that he had tried to do sexual abuse towards me and had went to jail and um, stuff like that. I'm not sure why my mom made those accusations because my dad's never been that type of person and will never be that type of person. Um, he's an asshole. He smokes weed, but, you know, he, he would never touch anybody in that manner. Um, I think she just wanted out of the divorce because the guy that she had got with, which was my brother's dad, was a sex offender. Um, and I had to live with that fear every day of my life. Um, when I got to be the age of, uh, five years old is when she got with him. And, um, during this time, uh, she just wasn't really that responsible. I was called the food stamp baby. Um, 
she basically wanted me because, um, my medical conditions were able to get her money and food stamps. So she didn't have to work. Um, about a year after my brother was born, um, she had got a caregiving job outside of getting food stamps and money for me. Um, she had kept me really sick. Um, I didn't know what she was doing, but she was putting Lysol and bleach inside my food. Um, all I know is I would constantly go to the doctor. I'd be in and out of school. Um, soon it had turned into, um, an abusive situation where she would keep me home to clean, cook, and, uh, on a constant occasion, my head would get pushed into walls, um, breaking the wall, um, you know, getting slapped around, um, blamed for pretty much anything. And I found out later on that my mom was a schizophrenic and had some other, um, mental health issues that she denied and said she didn't have. And, um, her and my dad broke up. And so she had me and my brother and she tried to sit there and abuse my brother and, um, go out and didn't really want to take care of us. So I wound up taking care of my brother in my physical and mental state of, um, being exhaustedly sick and, um, having issues. I took care of him instead of a baby doll. Um, I learned how to take care of a newborn baby at the age of eight. <clears throat> I was stealing, um, I was, um, trying to provide for my brother. I got eventually put on youth at risk, um, by the time I got to be 12 years old because I was hardly in ever, ever in school. I had to have anger outbursts. Um, I would have severe anxiety outbursts in and out of school because I was sick from being poisoned in and out of school because I was getting beat on. Once I got into sports in middle school, my mom had finally got fed up um, with me getting all the attention, and she had broken my leg, um, so I couldn't participate in dance or cheerleading or tumbling or sports. Um, by the time I got to be 14, I had gotten into smoking ruined my vocal cords because I was like head of the choir and I was um, also head in drama class. Um, but I just couldn't take all this stuff that was going on at home. I was constantly running away, um, to neighbors' houses. Um, friends were involved. Um, I would meet people off of these party lines that I barely ever knew. Um, putting myself in like, really bad situations thinking I was making it better for myself. Um, when I finally hit, um, ninth grade, um, <laughs> my, uh, mom had fractured all my ribs, broke all my toes. And, um, I had, um, some reading and writing issues and I didn't understand a lot of stuff in school and, uh, I just, I, I had so much anger and by then I had an eating disorder of anorexic, anorexia and bulimia, um, at the same time, um, where 
I mean, I was just really skinny and, um, constantly sick and, um, just trying to basically bypass <clears throat> everything. And, um, I had to walk on all my broken toes to school. Um, I never really told anybody anything that was going on at home because when I was in the fifth grade, I had told somebody and it got back to my mom and it wasn't a good thing. All my friends knew what was going on. Um, but you know, they just kind of helped me as a hush hush thing, you know? Um, it was, it was like living with a constant monster. Um, it was the biggest step I had ever taken because when I got to the school, um, I had to make a police report. I got put in my aunt's care for about a year and, um, my mom was court ordered to get some mental health therapy and seek, um, help. Um, she never did. They never enforced it. Um, she never got any jail time. Uh, she turned her abuse to my brother while I was with my aunt and I couldn't protect him. And so he developed an anger towards me. Um, and we never really had like the same conversations that we had before. Um, because I was basically like his mom instead of his sister since I raised him. Um, I continued to be on youth at risk because I got put back in my mom's care. And, uh, at this time I was in the 10th grade and, um, my mom's episodes would get worse and, um, I would go party a lot because I was just trying to get everything out of my system and trying to forget everything. So I was self-medicating and, um, she had taken a metal baseball bat to my head, um, and some other things. And it was pretty much the last straw when I ran away for the 40th or 50th time. I can't remember how many times I ran now. Um, but they told me that I could file a chins petition and it was another big step in my life because when I filed for this chins petition, I took myself completely away from my mom. Um, I put myself in foster care thinking that it would be an easier route for myself. Um, it was really hard on me and my brother. It made things worse where we just, we never talked for years. Um, my brother eventually took himself out and got put with his grandma, um, because of his abusive situation. So he made an empowerment step as well. Um, that's when he was, um, in middle school. Uh, when I went to court, my mom didn't blink twice. She just signed the paperwork and let me go. Same with my brother. Um, Again, she was told that she needed to seek mental help um, and had to do certain things in order to get us back, but she never did because she just she 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 had no care in the world for anything. Um, she tried to repeatedly use um, my benefits by the time I turned eighteen, but I mean I had a big rough issue in foster care. 
Um, cause I mean, there's some homes and adoption centers that are really good, but foster care isn't all cracked out to what it's supposed to be. I mean, I was already really damaged by the time I hit foster care and I just got basically transported to like eight different houses and like nobody understood that I had an eating disorder. They didn't understand my medical issues. They didn't understand you know, that why I had such bad learning stuff. Um, they didn't understand my anger. Um, nobody wanted to put me in counseling or try to get me on meds. Um, it was just, it was like living with a bunch of people that just don't understand. Um, and you try to explain it to the best of your ability, but you just, you, there's no words. There's, there's no words to try to make people understand the kind of problems that you've been through, um, what you've dealt with. And a lot of people don't empathize with you. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that I've been through has made me a very big empath. Um, but it's also made me into my own monster. And I know what I'm capable of when I have a really bad episode and it, it scares me. Um, but with these, um, foster cares, I went through physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, mental abuse, sexual abuse. Um, I was raped twice in foster care. Um, I was also, um, used again, uh, for money. Um, I got frauded twice saying that I had stole and got put on youth at risk again. Um, I had not stole while I was in foster care, but, um, the other girls that were in there, um, had put stuff in my packages while I went grocery shopping or, you know, um, clothing shopping. They would slip stuff in my bag, um, go out the door and boom, there you go. He shoplifted. Um, because it was in my past and it's something that I had talked to the foster parents about because I wanted to get help with it. So the other girls found out about it. And so anyway, I had to get records expunged and stuff like that because the original reasons for stuff was for survival. When I was in foster care, I didn't have to do all that, but it was a different kind of survival in foster care. A lot of the people in there used my money from the government for their alcohol, um, for their drugs, um, for their own personal medical expenses, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, it never really got used on us kids while we were in there. I also got exited out once I turned 18. Um, they're supposed to let you stay until you're 21 um, if you have issues. Um, so I never graduated from high school um, because I needed the extra help that I wasn't receiving. And uh, because I was so unruly... They didn't want to keep me in there. Um, I eventually started going to South a Sound Mental Health that turned into BHR, which is Behavioral Health Resources. Um, 
I was first labeled bipolar. Then I was labeled borderline personality. I have mild OCD with severe anxiety and severe PTSD. And um, it's been a really hard road. Before all of that, I was put down as just a severe depressant. And every time they gave me medication, I just, I wanted to kill myself. Um, I just, the overload was just so strong between everything. I just, I wanted to die. And I can't explain to you how bad things actually were because I'm trying to keep it wrapped up. <laughs> as much as I can so I don't go in too deep into emotions because I don't want to end up crying on this recording. Um, when I turned 18, I ended up having to go get a job instead of trying to graduate from high school or trying to get my GED. Um, I tried to balance getting my GED since I wasn't able to get my high school diploma, but um, since I didn't have a lot of the education, I didn't know much about science or math. Um, so I kept failing, uh, the GED tests because of the math and science, um, which started making me work more. Um, I worked in call centers, fast food places, um, eventually worked my way up to Seattle and, um, became a mortgage broker and secretary without a diploma. And, um, I worked really hard at my job. Um, I lived in the university district, which is, um, the area for the best schooling, uh, best medical, making four to $5,000 a month. <clears throat> and then I started getting enrolled with these abusive men that I kept attracting, I guess. I don't know how or why or what the case was, but... The people that I attract always seems to be so charming and so well kept together and have their mind together. But actually, it's it's just all a front because most of the guys were actually homeless or really abusive or, you know, just mentally um, incompetent. Um, the one guy that I was with... Um, he would tell me these stories and like, I believed him. I thought that like the stuff he was talking about was so true. I was so gullible and naive and I spent more time with him than going to work. And I slowly started slipping away from work. And, uh, eventually I ended up losing my job because, um, I just, I thought it was so much better to have more freedom than working constantly on a constant basis for the government and wound up homeless. Um, all my stuff I was dragging around with me because I didn't know <laughs> how a homeless person was supposed to be. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I had never been homeless. Um, and I wanted all my stuff. I mean, I had photos of my grandparents that passed away from cancer that were a constant in my life and probably the best thing in my life out of my whole family. Um, 
clothing that I spent lots of money on. I didn't save any money. I should have saved money, but you know, being a early adult and teenager, you know, you just, you want to spend it all, you know, you don't think about your future and that's something I wish I could have taken back, but you know, life goes on. Um, so I rolled around these suitcases with my yearbooks and photos and all this stuff and squatted this one night because we couldn't get into a shelter because there's so many homeless people up here in Seattle. I mean, they literally auction off whether you get into a shelter or not. And now it's so full that the shelters are full. They have tent cities and tents everywhere. And it's just like nobody wants to help anybody. I mean, you have one thing on your record or, um, you know, you have a medical condition or a mental health condition and you, you can't get in anywhere. It's so expensive in Washington state, no matter where you live, it's, um, you just, you, you don't know what to do, but the medical is so good and the benefits that you get are very helpful. So people, stockpile here in Seattle or Olympia and it's 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 a it's a it's a big catastrophe and for me I was homeless for six years um trying to get on social security because my mental health just wound up so bad and I started having physical impairments um I'm actually half deaf in both my ears um, <clears throat> from so much trauma and I have carry malformation. Um, I've had cancer twice. Um, this is my third time with cancer. Um, I have digenerative bulging discs in my cervical spine and lumbar spine. Um, I've had three knee surgeries and a full leg and, um, knee surgery done where they had to break my bones and like redo stuff. Um, I still have unleveled fractured ribs. Um, I have walking problems now because of my toes that were broken, my feet wanting to go inward. Um, I still have my borderline personality. I have a severe PTSD to the extent of like somebody that was in the army. Um, very bad, very, very bad anxiety and worry syndrome. I have really bad paranoia because, um, of two of my exes and, you know, um, <laughs> I just, I have really bad complications and, um, I couldn't get social security to accept it. So I had to go around and get my school profile stuff for my learning disabilities and I had to go collect stuff um, from my medical records because they just they didn't want to do the work because I was so complex and complicated um, when it came down to me finally getting on social security I was able to get into transitional housing and get myself off the street um, they said that they've never met anybody that hadn't been into hardcore drugs that was on the street um, I will admit that I had gotten into weed, um, and alcohol and cigarettes, but I never went into anything harder than that because I needed to be self-aware because when I was on the street, 
there was constant people that tried to, you know, come up and fight me, um, stab me, uh, rape me. Um, I mean, it's a war zone in itself being homeless. And I don't think people really understand the extent of actually being homeless. Like, it's not something that most people choose to. I mean, there's people that like to travel that like to be in that lifestyle but most of the people will tell you they just they want your help they want a second chance at life um there's not enough um low-income housing there's there's not enough mental health therapy or affordable um there's not enough jobs there's not enough anything to be able to help and I want to help so bad and it's like I, I go down and I help people when I can, when I'm not dealing with medical or my own mental, you know, distress. Because I like giving back because I've been there. I've done that. I understand, like, what people are going through. I mean, somebody can be wearing a really nice pair of shoes and still be homeless. Somebody could be wearing a really nice shirt and still be homeless. Not everybody that's homeless is dirty and rugged. Um you just, you would have to be there and know how it is to be homeless. Um, when I was in that situation, I had dated a couple of different men that were really abusive and, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad that I got myself out of those situations because, it was just like when I was in foster care where it was mental, physical, emotional, or sexual. And yeah, you can still be sexually abused by your partner. Um, if you, if you don't want to be having sex or anything like that, they're not obligated to your body. Your body is your body. And just because you're married, engaged in a relationship, does not give them the right to have sex with you whenever. I mean, you could be on medication and be out of it. And if they're having sex with you and you didn't consent it and you didn't know what was going on, that's rape. If you are sick and you say no, not right now, and they want to have sex with you, that's rape. And I've actually found out that two of the people, when I looked up their background, that they were sex offenders. And I said... How did this happen? How did I end up on the same road as my mom? And how did I not know about these two people? A lot of the people I dated too had mental issues like schizophrenia and stuff like that, which was also things of my mom's. <clears throat> so I was like, I don't understand. Like, why... How did I not see this? Why did I not see this? And then I started blaming myself and went into a suicidal state again. My conditions had gotten worse um, when I had finally got into low-income housing in uh, Grays Harbor. And um, I had gotten on pain meds and I developed endometriosis and PCOS and... I had had two miscarriages and one kid, and I had lost the kid. 
at the age of three because her lungs, um, <clears throat> her lung needed replaced and I couldn't afford it. And she was on a wait list, but I just couldn't get the stuff that I needed to get for her. And I said I wouldn't cry, but it's so hard to talk about because her daddy I knew since I was 17 and I had to hold a secret because he was into drugs and his mom was very abusive and, um, <clears throat> and she didn't want him knowing. And when I finally was able to tell him was recently in the summer of 2017 and he reached back out to me because I was talking with an old friend and we had got back together and I don't want to say I necessarily blamed him but I did I did quite a bit rubbed it in his face a lot he eventually stole my identity and pulled out two phones in my name. I found out about it. I'm a Taurus. I find out about a lot of stuff. Which leads up to my current domestic violence situation. In December of 2017, <clears throat> I thought everything was going great with me and my current fiancé. And obviously it wasn't. And he came home one day. His eyes were like the size of flying saucers. Um, I asked him what was going on. And he laughed at me and said there, there was nothing going on. I said, yeah. I said, you're not smoking weed? Because he smoked CBD for his issues. I said, whatever you're on you're not going to be in my house on it because I don't, I don't support drugs. I've had a lot of abuse in my past and other stuff, and this stuff was a part of it. And he, he went to bed, and the next morning is when I found out about the identity theft and phones because he said he had put them under his name but never brought any paperwork home. So I went down to the Verizon Center and found out that he put it under my name and that's why he didn't bring the paperwork home. Him and the person at the Verizon store stole my identity together and the person at the Verizon store was fired. But Brian was never charged. When I came home with the papers and showed him the papers and let him know that I knew, he flipped out. And this was the day before Christmas Eve. He locked me in the bedroom barricaded the door, said he was going to sell off all of my stuff that I had worked so hard on because of me being on social security. I have to make payments on beds and couches and everything like that. He was yelling about killing himself and killing me. Um, he kept calling the police out saying that I was completely crazy and that I needed help and he wanted me taken out of my own house and he's known me so long he knew everything about me. He kept making me arise to call the police. I called the 
crisis clinic a couple of times because he scared the crap out of me. Um, see, I'm hearing impaired and when people scream at me, um, especially with baritone voices, makes me very anxious, throws me into PTSD mode. Um, he was talking about drugs and other stuff like that with somebody on the phone. I found out that he was cheating on me and I found out that his family was into incest and it was, I found, I found out so much that night and I stayed curled in my bed, um, scared out of my mind. I don't, I don't think I've ever been so scared and felt so defenseless in my life because I usually have like, you know, pepper spray and knife or bat or something to protect myself. That night I had nothing. And the police wouldn't listen to me. The crisis clinic wouldn't call the police to make a report on their end after hearing him threaten himself in my life. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time either. And, um, I wasn't, it's like really hard for somebody with PCOS and endometriosis to get pregnant. <clears throat> My service dog was huddled in the room with me and, uh, he tried breaking down the door. Um, well, actually he broke it in. And by the time the last set of police showed up, he was on top of me with a knife ready to stab me to death. And I just can't get the image out of my brain of that whole night into Christmas Eve morning when the police finally was going to take him outside to cuff him he took off running and they had to chase him down and take him in and I was tossed around about court saying I didn't have to go but I wanted a protection order because I've, I've never been in I mean I've been in a lot of verbal emotional and sexual abuse but I've never had someone almost try to kill me and especially in my safe zone which was my bed in my bedroom and somebody that I knew for so long and trusted with my life I I was moved by low-income housing from Aberdeen to Seattle I had to go through a whole name change and identity change I had a five-year restraining order put on. He got two months in jail, one month in Western State. And while he was in both, he repeatedly violated my restraining order and nobody wanted to do anything. After he got out, he violated it a couple more times. And so the police did an investigation finding out that he had an alias and that he's been on this kind of route since 97 and just hit it. He's supposed to be convicted with two felonies once they arrest him. He's on the streets homeless. I'm not sure if he ran to Mississippi or if he's still here in Seattle, but one thing I do know for sure is I'm always looking over my shoulder because he has another baby's mama up here and friends, people that watch out I wouldn't really call them friends I'd say people that will do stuff for money it makes me very paranoid and it makes my counselors think that 
I'm turning into a schizophrenic, but I'm not. I'm just very protective over over myself and my safety. My anxiety gets so bad that I've been in the hospital multiple times within the last three months. I've seeked the domestic violence sheltered people, but they just, they don't seem to understand that I can't take a regular transit bus and they don't seem to get why I can't come down to their facility instead of staying at my house. In my house, I keep my blinds shut most of the time unless I want the sunlight in because I'm scared that he'll find out where I live and drive by and see me, even though it's hard to find out where I live and hard to find the actual apartment because of the area that I'm in. I still have nightmares to this day that he's going to break into my apartment and then he's going to try to kill me. He told me in the courtroom that he was going to make my life a living hell and that he didn't care about any restraining orders, and it's exactly what he's done so far. I've lost most of my family, except for my stepmom and my brother, and almost all my friends except for a couple people on Facebook and that are out of state that I have never met in person. And only two people that have been friends of mine since I was 20 in my life and I don't get to ever see them I'm always by myself doing everything alone with my service dog on social security in a very expensive area it's taken me a lot to not be suicidal it's taken me a lot to be able to step outside my door to take my dog for a walk it's taken me a lot to wake up in the morning and try to be positive. It's hard to do everything by yourself with nobody in your life. But the thing is, is that I'm doing it. I'm getting up. I'm going to my medical appointments. I'm going to my mental health appointments. I'm taking my dog out for walks when I'm comfortable enough to. I'm starting to learn to open my blinds and not be so paranoid. I'm starting to try to have fun again and be comfortable knowing that it's okay to be scared and afraid. It's okay to have a mental illness if you have to take medication or not take medication. But at least seek help with coping skills and counseling. And it is okay to have medical issues and reach out for help if you need to have caregiving or something of that nature. I haven't made any new friends yet or traveled about because I don't know who knows. I don't know if somebody will treat me the way that was treated again. But what I do know is that I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And if I can survive all of that, I can survive pretty much anything as long as I try. But people need to realize, <clears throat> even with all of that trying, that there is still going to be problems.
you're still going to have issues on top of those problems. You're still going to have to fight. And that is what makes you a survivor. I can't have kids in the future. I can't do a lot of things that I want to do because of my physical and mental health. And I have accepted if that makes me be alone, then that makes me be alone. But I will not follow crowds anymore. I will not do things just to make people happy or please them or entertain them. I rather be happy myself and I rather be healthy and I rather help people that's been in situations like myself. So hopefully if you listen to this recording, maybe you'll have a little bit more understanding that it doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've seen, what you've heard. It's about how you take it in and how you let it out. It's about how you learn to survive and cope with things. You have to be comfortable with yourself, love yourself, have whatever faith that you have, and learn to be your best friend. Because there's not always going to be other people around to be able to support you. You have to be your support. You have to be your survivor. You have to be your self-advocate. And that, that right there is what makes you strong. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Trevion Roseberry, Kareem Smith, and a whole bunch of amazing women. For more, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, or check us out on the web at thewomenwhowon.com or on Instagram at thewomenwhowon.